0: Well, look who decided to show up. It's Allie Johnson and Dr. James Simmons is back after I'm s- being I'm in the... i <laughs> still under the
1: weather, Allie.
0: No, I know that's not true because you were at the hospital working, which, oh, hey, that's it. a good excuse. If you're not staying home or not, not coming to work because you are sick, it's a better excuse to say, sorry, I couldn't come to work. I was in a hospital saving lives. So I'll give you a pass on this one, James.
1: Thank you very much. I did have about 400 people reach out to me yesterday and they were like, oh, thank God you're not on anymore. That Jason is amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you did leave me in good company and uh, it was very nice having Jason on. But what was it like for you? You were at the hospital all day yesterday and you were telling me before we cracked the mics this morning that it's, it's getting back to normal in terms of how many people you're seeing.
1: Oh, yeah. She was a wee bit busy yesterday. (laughs) Unlike uh, previous times, because I think some people forget or just have maybe don't fully understand that hospitals have actually not been that busy during COVID. The COVID units have been very busy. But the ERs in particular and some of the other parts of the hospital have not been very busy because elective or even semi-elective procedures were canceled for a really long time. Well, now that that places are starting to reopen, we're actually starting to see like a slow uptick in COVID cases, but that's sort of common knowledge. But now that elective procedures and semi-elective procedures are back, there's actually lots more people around. And then there's just more patients and there's more stuff going on. And actually, yesterday was the first day that my hospital started allowing one visitor in. We hadn't had visitors for three months. So now you've got visitors and families, which adds another layer of caring for people. And it, it was it was a lot. I was like, oh, okay, this this feels like pre-pandemic busy right now.
0: Wow. Okay. So they're allowing one visitor. Say if you're getting your gallbladder out, that was an, a, possibly a non emergent procedure that now can take place and the person can get one visitor in in where they couldn't before.
1: Yes. Yeah. And but okay. there's there's very specific places where you can and can't have visitors and the room's got to be big enough because the visitor still has to be six feet away from the patient and from you. And it's a, like a whole thing. It's not just like nimble pimble. Everybody comes and goes from the hospital yet. We're still on uh, on some kind of semi lockdown. But it's it's definitely feeling more back to normal and i mean that was the busiest 12-hour shift i have had in months
0: okay nimbly pimbly is a fantastic word that i'd like Nim- to use more throughout the, <laughs> throughout the show We're just,
1: i'm gonna use nimbly pimbly it's much not all
0: nimbly pimbly well i i i have a couple of questions for you because uh. i i went to the hospital a couple uh, i think it was last week to get some lab work done and the last time I had been to the hospital, it was just, okay, you walk in, but and you've got a mask on. There were, I think there were even signs saying that you don't have to wear a mask unless you're showing symptoms. This time, they had lanes that were figured out. Okay, if you're going to the hospital for this reason, get in this lane. If you're going just for a general appointment, you go in this lane. If you're exiting, it's this lane. Like, there was no cross traffic, everything. And then I was directed to a tent where they had to take my picture and ask me questions and, you know, showing me the little... Uh, placard with the symptom sign saying, does any of this apply to you? And I was like, "Ah." like, it was it was very, very organized. You could tell they'd done a lot of work to get it all figured out. Sure. Um, Is it like that in your hospital as well? Or was mine just a little cray cray?
1: No, there there certainly is a measure of that for sure. Uh, You know, there's now I'm in the actual actual hospital part. So sometimes like our outpatient clinics to the side, I don't see quite as much. But when I have like walked past them or had to go in them for whatever reason, yes, there's like people in lines and there's these spaces apart and there's they're like, here's a mask, here's a shield. We do have thermal detectors now at every the front of every building so when you walk in it's like there's like crazy cameras looking at you and someone sitting behind a computer and they're asking you about the oh, yeah. symptoms that's and like, what it was yeah yeah this like whole thing that so that's certainly there and it's it's funny though how how quickly it just became habit like the first time I saw it I was like all right that's a little interesting and then the second time I was like oh yeah there's gonna be a camera she's gonna ask me about this I gotta have this mask on I gotta do that like and maybe that's me. I'm just sort of like a matter of fact kind of guy, but I'm just like, yep, these are the things I got to do to go to work. Um, but it is a little weird that like you're constantly being monitored on video camera and you're constantly being monitored with monitored on this like thermal temperature thing. Like,
0: I th- had no, yeah, I had no idea that that was a thermal temperature thing. I thought they were just, t- it, it seemed like I was getting my driver's license again. And I was like, "Oh my god, they're going right. to print this out and give it to me to wear as a sticker." Like I, you know, if you don't have that, you had to, I had to get a little wristband, and I'm sure if you're not walking around with a wristband, they're going to ask questions. But here's my next question for you: at uh-huh. Ask the NP. Now I have to go back to the hospital today mm. to get another test, a test uh-huh. that we have talked about on this show before. Oh, I had a telehealth appointment this morning Uh because my my the hospital around me is still not doing like if you don't need to go in they're just doing video or telehealth appointments still sure And I have had, I don't know if I've graced the listeners with this information yet, but I've had a mystery rash on my hands for the past three to four months that I cannot explain and I don't know what the hell is causing it. And I had a phone appointment today to really break down and talk to this dermatologist and see what was going on. She would like me to get a coronavirus antibodies test.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that's (laughs) interesting did
1: she make a correlation between a persistent rash of unknown origin or etiology and covid antibodies
0: well she said that she just to be safe wanted me to get it because some of the things that she's seeing is that coronavirus does wonky things to the skin from time to time Uh and she was like when did this happen I was like well it was in early March it was before we even started talking about coronavirus and she was like well I've seen people that were asymptomatic that had skin things all the way dating back to December and I was like oh and she was like so you should go go get an antibodies test just to make sure but now i don't know what lane to go in if they're asking me if they're showing me the placard i'm like but i'm going to get and they ask me if i've been tested and i say no but then i'm saying i'm gonna go get a test are they gonna freak out what are they gonna are you gonna put me in a bubble
1: Yes. Well, I was just going to say, there's actually a special bubble lane for you. Okay. You you get put through like a pneumatic tube, and you get to hamster
0: wheel into the hospital.
1: (laughs) Yep, pretty much with like armed guards and everything. No, I'm kidding. That's not how it'll work. There'll be a special line. Those of you who have had a persistent rash since March have not had a (laughs) COVID-19 test, but are here for antibody (laughs) tests.
0: Please stand here to the left. Hi, you're the first one in this lane. Thank you. (laughs) Show up.
1: Thank you for coming. We appreciate you being here.
2: Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q.
0: Drop the Subject is back. James is back. He's a doctor. If you have any questions for him, I have uh, questions I always ask about my rash. But hey, you know what? You're you. You can ask your own questions. You can always ask them at Ask the NP. Anything that you're afraid to ask your MD, Dr. James, is on the case. Now, when it comes to movies and TV shows that hey, we're super popular in, say, 1946, but now seems super racist or, quote, (laughs) problematic. It's been a topic of conversation more and more these days. Yesterday, we learned even of, uh, you know, foods in your pantry that have racial undertones and racist undertones. Aunt Jemima's gone. Uncle Ben is also gone. And... You know, Gone with the Wind was a movie that they uh, uh, took away from HBO Max, and then they, I, I believe, put it up again, but with a disclaimer. Disney kind of did the same thing, where hey, we've got these movies that exhibit and and show this type of culture that we don't necessarily approve of, but we're going to let you make the decision ultimately. And it got me thinking about what movies and TV shows you really, really love you, you know, it's on your top 10. It's something that you don't think you could ever give up, but you also realize that it was a different time and that it might need to go away. And what are those movies and TV shows for you?
1: Mm, Very interesting conversation. Very interesting question. You know, I will say that I think there is a measure of this that, has been going on for lots of people of color, uh, specifically Black people, for a really long time. Because so much of TV and movies and music, to the, some degree, has been cr- you know developed with white individuals in power, uh, and even if it involved characters of color, it was told through white eyes and oftentimes with a white protagonist. And so I sort of you 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 asked this question, Ali, and I guess I sort of go back to like. I feel like most things in my life that I watch have been super fun and great, and I've had to love them despite the fact that they're like passingly racist. Like, right, even like you've already
0: act. had to, uh huh.
1: Yeah, like I love that movie. It's not overtly racist, but there's a couple times in there where they flirt with some stuff that now in 2020 would not fly. And I'm sure Whoopi Goldberg would not fly for or Maggie Smith or other the other people involved in the movie at the time. So I, I sort of think back on this and I'm like, man, I can come up with about a trillion things that I watched that I'm like, I love this. I'd show. But because I've had to love I, or right, I wasn't watching yeah. anything. You know what I mean?
0: Right. No, that make that makes absolutely a lot of sense. That you, you've probably you, you've been watching it through that lens your entire life, <laughs> right, and then one, to be and, like, um, yeah. yeah, guys, I've known that these were problematic for a long ass time, and it's good that they're <laughs> going away now. But is it? I mean, is it? Is, like, I think about one of my one one of my favorite movies, Sixteen Candles, Uh which is a classic, right? Oh,
1: so bad.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then you go to this character, Long Duck Dong. (laughs) And I mean, every time he's on...
1: Appetizing food fitting neatly into interesting uh, round pie. It's a quiche. How do you spell? Well, you don't spell it, son. You eat it. Oh my god! And
0: then they all like laugh. Oh, like, ha, 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 long duck and I dong even is forgot so funny. About that scene. Yeah, and then every time he's on camera, there's a like a literal gong playing, and you're like, oh <laughs> man! God. But I haven't seen. I love the movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time, so. Then seeing those scenes, you see it scrolling, you're like, oh, 16 Candles, oh cool, why don't I put on that? And then you're like, oh my god, how did this, I can't believe this is still here. But then do you lose the movie completely, or do you do the disclaimer?
1: Right. Well, I think it's a really, it's a, it's a tough question because, and there's lots of gray area because I, what, what I immediately do is sort of extrapolate this to everything. So I'm like, okay, well, if we're just start canceling every movie. Are there a going to be any movies left and B um, cause I mean, <laughs> right. let's be honest, this is the world we're living in right now. Right. And so like, the, there's a reason everyone talks about Shonda Rhimes cause she's the only one that's been allowed to like elevate to the levels that she's been and create television that, that, that handles these things in a mostly right way anyway. But then if you keep, going and you're like well no I don't want to cancel that movie well then I can see people being like well why are you canceling every statue if the movie should be around because it has historical context then why are you right. canceling every confederate statue because they have historical context so I think we have to be careful to not talk about all these things in one and that's sort of my brain doing that but like like I, I give me a break do you remember that show from the 80s with Nell Carter
0: <laughs> no I can't say I do you don't remember please. that show oh no. my god it was
1: the best it was the best <laughs> So,
0: this does sound familiar uh-huh
1: yes Nell Carter I she was you know whatever legendary and I, I loved that show people I had two different people give me the box DVD set of that show when it came out on DVD back in the day because they were like I remember you love this show so much so then I sat down and watched the DVDs like you know 10 12 years ago whatever and I was like oh god this is the most racist stuff I have seen in a Mm -hmm. very long time I cannot believe as a child I watched this show like it was so I did I got rid of the DVDs I'm like I can't I can't okay
0: so that's one that you were willing to part with so I know we have to go but (sighs) The Golden Girls. All-time favorite TV show for me. It's something I put on every single time I'm feeling down. There was a time where I would put it on every weekday morning, no matter what I was doing or where I was. Um, I saw a recent episode where they hired a housekeeper who uh, was... (laughs) A Jamaican voodoo woman, oh and God. then they yes. fired her because she was doing a terrible job with the housekeeping. But then they start getting the house starts getting cursed, and they think it's because of her. so They're trying to hire her back, and anyway, they're treating her like royalty. And then Ma walks in.
3: Uh, Marguerite, I'd like you to meet my mother. This is my mother, Sophia Petrillo. Ma, this is Marguerite.
1: Oh, I'm pleased to meet. You. June. won't you join us yeah and pour me some of that champagne i never know if i'm gonna make it to new year's
2: <laughs>
1: so what are we celebrating for the supremes get back together
0: oh no
1: oh, ma sophia
0: ma and you can't blame the stroke you know that's just the writing and so there there are things in there that i was like oh man but we gotta just get rid of the episode right can't cancel all golden girls
1: Mm, don't ask me that question
2: <laughs> Drop the subject The new channel Q Drop the subject with Allie and
0: Dr. James Simmons And if you are an influencer That is using The protests to amplify Your platform we have news for you You are about to Lose your job You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me. Yep, there are a lot of influencers out there who are, you know, under the guise of spreading their platform or using their platform to spread information about the black lives matter movement when you really look a little closer it doesn't take long to look closer and realize that this person or these people are just using their platform to create content around something that is uh, they're bandwagoning right they are they're jumping on the BLM bandwagon in order to uh, to get some likes and to get some clicks and there is there's an Instagram handle called influencers in the wild I don't know if you've heard of it James uh,
1: it, it was new to me when you brought it up. But then when you brought it up, I'm like, wait a minute. I feel like I've seen people repost some things. Either way, I'm super glad that this guy is doing this. It
0: is it is genius. He is basically just taking, getting, capturing video of Instagrammers taking pictures <laughs> in everyday life. So you see it a lot, especially here in Southern California, where you're walking uh, along the beach, and then you just see a row of Instagrammers. And their boyfriend's taking pictures of them at the beach. And you're like, why? Oh, my why? God. Um, and like, I can't. Of course, because Coachella has not happened this year, it's not happening, they're jonesing for some cultural misappropriation. So uh, it's happening. And this is what the creator of the Influencers in the Wild page had to say, because people are... I mean, they're posting a lot of videos of people taking Instagram pictures and, and videos at protests. And this is what he had to say about it.
1: ...movement um, in order to get content. And I think the problem with that, the people that it enraged people so much, is that it's the single most egregious act of cultural appropriation you could possibly imagine. Going to a march that was literally organized so that black people could assert their right to matter, to live... And repurposing your presence there for Instagram content, which, as we know, is one of the most shallow things we can do. And I do it, too. And that's why I started the page.
0: But but so now he goes on to say that some of the influencers in the videos that he's posting are getting harassed and people are finding their personal information and their jobs and their addresses and targeting them and giving them death threat like there's bad things now happening to those influencers and he's like that's not why I created the page I created it to to highlight the behavior and the bad behavior. I didn't necessarily want the individual people being attacked. But also it's like you know if you're like there are videos here of literal I mean listen, listen to this. This is just another one that was posted um a couple of days ago. This girl is making her boyfriend take a picture of her in front of a Smash T mobile so (laughs) and there we've seen other ones of hey my boyfriend or like some girl walking up to a guy who's boarding up his business and asking if she could hold his drill so that she can get a picture a photo opportunity for that i mean Uh there's just been some really gross behavior and i think it is important to to call that out and be like dude no this is not about you
1: it this this issue quite literally has stopped one of my friends from from posting on social media he he was so concerned with being labeled someone who was using this as an opportunity to speak he was so concerned with being like i'm a white guy in the middle. And this was like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, he was like, I don't want people to think that, oh, just because this is going on and I post a black square or post a few right. things that I'm, you know, being sort of opportunistic about all of this or like, why do the whole point is that what I say as a middle aged white guy with privilege isn't what we need to hear from right now. Right. Um, and it was sort of like he he calls them Jessica's. He was like, I don't want to be Jessica on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And post these things, and I I think it's 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 very important. I also think that you have to trust people, who some of these some of the Jessicas and all their followers. I think they know what they're following them for, right? And so if the Jessicas of the world are selling like skinny tea or whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And people want to do the skinny tea in their workout videos and all this kind of stuff. I think people I think people are smarter than we give them credit for. And they're not going to be like, oh, all of a sudden, Jessica's not posted one thing about Black Lives Matter in seven years as an influencer. But now she's at a protest like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? I I think people see through the BS.
0: Yeah. And I think the BS too. the BS meter goes up for me when I see the outfit that corresponds with the picture. If you're at a protest and you're wearing six inch heels and you're wearing an Indian head, like something that you literally would have worn to Coachella or cowboy boots or some kind of like you're obviously out to take pictures you're not out for the protest the center of that story becomes you and that's something we talked about earlier in the week so um i don't know if i want to have children anymore i'm going to take a minute (laughs) and think about it we'll be right back
2: (laughs) drop the subject the new channel q
0: drop. The subject is here. That's right. I'm Allie, and James Simmons is right over there. And hey, did you want to uh, join us for Pride? Pride is very exciting. The gays can live their lives just as just as well as you and me. You know, they can be themselves, and we want you to celebrate Curbside. It is Curbside Pride. So here's what you do. You go over to the website. It's www.wearechannelq.com uh, Is it a .org? No, it's a .com Then you're going to upload a nice Little photo or a video of how you're celebrating your pride, how you're expressing your pride. Uh, I don't know if you they want front camera or back camera, but I imagine that it has to be in focus and at least five pixels. Then you're gonna upload that and one of the first fifty uploads gets a nice curbside pride pack. It's got a lawn sign. I love those. Oh, yeah. Window hangers and t shirts and games and masks. You know, it's very important to wear a mask these days. Everywhere so, you go, you gotta yeah, wear your mask. You gotta Got to wear a mask, you know, because it's the droplets, right, James?
1: Yeah, it's the droplets and sometimes it's the air, you know, sometimes it gets out in the air too. So you got to wear your mask just wherever you go.
0: And when the flushing, the flushing of the poop, that that's a bad one as well. Oh oh,
1: oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. So we got to be careful, very careful, wash your hands and go to WeAreChannelQ.com for more.
1: I think uh, we really do want to know how you're going to celebrate your pride. And if uh, you post it online, too, be sure you use hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride.
0: Oh, thanks, James. Yeah, so hashtag's very important as well, so people can you find betcha. it. You betcha. All right, enough of that. Let's ask the NP something important. I I was ruminating about you being at the hospital. Hmm? That's
1: a big word, Allie, to be, are we done with the accent? (laughs) That's a big word, Allie, to be using on a Thursday.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, I was wondering, you know, because we get to ask the NP anything we want, and of course, this includes medical questions and any other things, but I also just wanted to ask from a medical standpoint, as a nurse practitioner and just being in the health industry in general, Do people who work, you know, nurses, surgeons, doctors, do you ever get nervous or have panic attacks before certain procedures? Is there one thing where you're just like, oh, man, brain surgery? I don't know. I'm nervous about this one. Does that happen? (laughs) Because I mean, imagine at the regular workplace. (laughs) Well, I know you specifically aren't doing brain surgery, but I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of very high stakes things that you have to do on a regular basis and that people in the health field have to do. And then if there's that, that sense of like, Oh, you know, when you get anxious at work or you've got a big presentation and having anxiety about that's a lot different than having anxiety while you're like over somebody's open skull.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it, you know, there's, there's certainly the thing, right? Every, every medical person has a thing that they like, don't like to do like in general, or like, you know, they can't, like, I don't do the broken bones thing very well. Um, But I handle bodily fluids just fine. But so that sometimes relates to like, if you have to do the thing that you don't want to do, or it kind of grosses you out that you, you freak out about it. I will say that the thing I've interestingly was the most nervous about was the first time I really did sutures on my own. And what because sutures? I think uh, stitches. Oh, um, why do you because, call them
0: sutures? They're stitches.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that's your suturing. That's the medical term. You're it's okay. suturing. So I It it is a little tiny bit more complicated than I think people realize. It also is a little tiny bit more important because you can't go too tight or you cause problems. You can't make them too loose or you cause problems. And you really have to make sure that like, whatever that wound is, is really, really clean. And I was doing this in an emergency department and I had practiced a hundred times and I'd had a whole bunch of people watch me to do it and whatever, but it was just one of those days where I was like, all right, you gotta go do this on your own. Everybody's gotta have their first time that they do it. And I was so nervous because this was on someone's head and we couldn't, it was just the way that medical people listening know that we typically use staples on people's head, but just where this was and how the nature of the injury, we just couldn't staple it. So we were the, the physician and I decided to do sutures, but I had to do it on my own. And if you don't do it the right way, people scar differently. So Whoa. I was like, "Am I going to clean this thing out? Is it going to be too tight? It's weird that I'm using sutures on a head anyway. And then, am I going to give them a scar? Like I was totally freaking. I was like sweating through my scrubs. Like I was like totally freaking out. Um, and I, I think I did fine. I think. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then he went on to star, star in uh, in Lion King as Scar. As,
1: as Scar. Yes, that, that was it. Yes, oh. we do get nervous. We're human beings, but wow. we power through, like, just like on TV. As long Ooh. as we have our theme music behind us. Dun, dun, dun.
0: There you go. Yeah, just get some theme music. Dun, 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 dun. We'll be right back.
2: Drop the subject. The new channel Q.
0: Drop the subject. Allie and James Simmons. Let's, uh, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about... Let's talk about... You. You and, and... Well, you know what? It wouldn't be you and me. I, I think no. I don't think you and I are on each other's list, necessarily. Dun, 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 no. Welcome to Channel Q. <laughs> We're all gay. <laughs> so I was reading about this story with... I, I don't claim to ever care about Amber Heard and her situation, but I mean, I, I think that the whole thing with her and Johnny Depp has been ca- crazy. Um, yes, very. And, and obviously, they've had a very... Tumultuous marriage for a lot of reasons, but according to a deposition, she mm-hmm. revealed that she had once had a threesome with Cara Delevingne and Elon Musk. Oh, oh! And I'm not usually one for celeb news like this, so to speak, or celebrity gossip. But my th- first thought when I heard this was, "Man, that is such a." Look, Cara Delevingne is so hot, and Elon Musk totally. is so gross to me. Totally. And <laughs> I just wonder how this threesome was pitched. In the you know how like some people they'll be like, oh yeah, well we'll, we'll give you an interview with somebody like. um uh, name one celebrity. I literally can't Huge. think of one.
1: You can, you can interview, uh, Denzel Lizzo, Washington. Sure.
0: Yeah. Somebody. But right. then you also have to interview this rapper that has 130 followers on Twitter and they're 14 years old, you know, and you're like, Oh, right. okay, well I really want to interview Lizzo. So sure. I'll take it. And I wonder if this was positioned that way where it's like, all right, you've always wanted to to get in bed with Cara Delevingne Also, there's this guy Elon who's going to be there as well. And you're like, "Um, (laughs) uh, Uh, well, I mean, sure, why don't we just have some drinks and see what happens? But what people like, if I were to say to you, James, this Mm -hmm. is sort of like a take it, take it or leave it, threesome edition.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, if, okay I, if
0: I were to give you Jason Momoa, say, yes. okay, to, you can have a threesome with Jason Momoa.
1: <laughs> Done. Yes.
0: It wouldn't matter who the third person is.
1: Uh... Yeah. Yes. I don't think it would matter who the third person is. Okay. I mean, it probably would have to be not that we play, but we, it would have to be my husband or he would divorce
0: me. Okay. Well, th- we're taking away husbands <laughs> and wives from this conversation. Okay, so
1: none of this. So we're not being realistic. Okay. So like uh, in a hypothetical Jason, if you're listening, uh, not, not hypothetical. So Jason Momoa. Yes. I think, I think I could handle anyone, Allie.
0: So even if I were to throw in Lindsey Graham and the ladybugs,
1: Oh, <laughs> the ladybugs, <laughs>
0: You'd be, like, decide, you'd be able to... You'd be able to...
1: I feel like there are some interesting power dynamics that go on during multiple-person sexual encounters and that we could just sort of navigate that whole situation if Lindsay and his ladybugs were there. <laughs> okay.
0: Did even I, if, even if Lindsay really nice was, way? like, really inserting himself where you were trying to exclude him?
1: Lindsay wouldn't be inserting...
0: Oh, no, I not Lindsay... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. Jason would be doing most of that. Um, <clears throat> but what about, so Michael B. Jordan is another person I know is on your list. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hello.
0: But what uh, if I, so even more so than Jason Momoa, you'd say?
1: I feel like Jason's still pretty close to the top okay. of the list. Okay. Yeah. But Michael B. Jordan uh, and who else? Who are you going to pair me with, Michael? I can't. Lori Ingram. Oh, No. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, nope. I knew it. I knew it. No, I. Here's the thing, because there's so much. It's like, take me,
0: uh, James. Take me. No,
1: stop it. Oh my God, Allie, I can't. There's so much to the
0: right. More. To the,
1: to, to the right, to the right. There's so much mental about sex, right? There's so much mental about it that I like I, I sometimes I'm like, I don't care how hot you are uh-huh. when when I learn that you're a jerk or you're whatever or you're crazy you are a crazy right wing conspiracy theorist like Laura Ingram. No, I could never do that. Okay, Allie, fine. <laughs> if you're gonna throw me Laura Ingram, <laughs> I'm gonna throw you. Uh-huh. Emma Watson.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. listening, Mm -hmm. and she's she's like, and she's got the personality too because she's like a feminist, and she's got that hot British accent. So that's all Uh I need.
1: Oh, oh, okay. So definitely, you could still handle Emma Watson and Kellyanne Conway.
0: Uh, (laughs) Oh, you know what? Yeah, I take a Kellyanne. Sure.
1: That was that was fast. Okay, that was quick. I did. I didn't go evil enough i
0: would have to be Um, very drunk but then i wouldn't want to be so drunk because of emma i'd want to remember it
1: because then you'd want to you'd want to remember okay okay okay, um,
0: hold on i'd get very drunk but i'd film the whole thing
1: so then you have blackmail material
0: yes and video evidence of my of the hookup with emma Uh uh-huh
1: okay okay very good um so rachel mcadams
0: yes mm mm-hmm with the mole. Got it. With the mole. Picture uh-huh. it in my head. Yep, Already got yep. a game plan.
1: Should, Jesse, should I pull out the, the big card? <laughs>
0: He's nodding. (laughs)
1: Donald J. Trump.
0: Oh, stop! You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Laura Ingram at me. I had to throw the. Oh God, it's the worst. You okay? I won't. How about not Donald? I'll give you. I'll give you Ivanka.
0: Sure. You can't do really hot people like that because I can overlook that. (laughs)
1: Yeah. you're like, okay, I can, okay. How about, how about if we're staying in, in, in Washington and DC, how about Betsy DeVos?
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, that's a little tougher. Betsy DeVos is more of a crypt keeper um, so it's kind of hard Single
1: handedly dismantling the U.S. educational system you know? Would not get in your head at all
0: You know, I think, I think, you were there. I think I'd think I still do it To be honest <laughs>
1: <laughs> Because you're like, ah, oh, it's Rachel McAdams I still <laughs> Yeah, and um, I
0: feel like we just like Be super passive aggressive to her during it And then <laughs> We can just
1: kind of get over it Just be like, oh, whatever um, Interesting, I think I still win Because you Wait, you didn't answer with Donald, though.
0: No, that, I couldn't do that. I couldn't. Now, I'll give you one last one. Uh Uh-huh. Tom Hardy, who's on your list. Oh, man. Uh Yeah. Or Mama June.
2: Oh. Drop the subject. The new channel
1: Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. James Q. Simmons, guest co-hosting with your Allie Johnson. I am sorry. I cannot give you the I Minnesota mean, accent to do the promo this time. Because <laughs> uh, Allie does that so much better than I do. But we do want to know, how are you celebrating Pride? Because it's digital. And it's a little weird this year. But we're still celebrating Pride because there's a lot of reasons to celebrate. And we want to know how you're doing it. So, you're going to take a picture. You're going to take a video. Or both. And we want you to upload them at wearechannelq.com. And, you know, grab your feather boa. Grab your feather dog. Feather dog? Rainbow dog.
0: Sure, why not?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, whatever. However you are choosing to celebrate pride, whatever that means to you, we want to know. When you do... We're going to hook you up with a Channel Q curbside pride pack, which is, has uh, land signs and window signs, as Allie <laughs> pointed out, the uh, <laughs> Channel Q t-shirt. They love
0: a good land sign. Oh,
1: don't you? And how,
0: are the, how else are they supposed to know?
1: How, how are we supposed to know that you're celebrating your Channel Q pride? Uh, exactly. Face masks, games, and what's super <laughs> cool is a chance to be on air here on Channel Q, to share with us how you are celebrating your pride. So wearechannelq.com are dot or at our socials at we are channel Q. Uh, do you know what rhymes with channel Q, Allie? Blue. Blue and flu. Flu. And if you put blue, flu and together, doo-doo. it's Doo doo. Dude, it's doo doo. Okay, so <laughs> as a just, just to, to break, kind of break this down for you guys, because I have some very kind of interesting thoughts about this that I think might might surprise you a little bit, Allie. So the the blue flu is trending on uh, trending on Twitter right now, but it's really trending as a news story everywhere. And what this is is there are supposedly cops who are not showing up for work, going silent on their radios. Um, were reportedly not showing up to calls uh for police in Atlanta but that we were finding out that they that may not necessarily be true in protest of the murder charges filed against the police officer who killed Rashard Brooks uh in Atlanta think, all over the weekend
0: yeah, on, um, on um, yeah, last Friday.
1: Yeah. So there, there, this was the gentleman who was shot at the Wendy's drive through You may have seen the video. There was a skirmish. He was trying to get away from the police. He stole a taser. He ran away, turned and pointed the taser back at the police officers from about 15 or 20 feet away or so. And then one of the officers, Officer Rolf, shot Mr. Brooks and killed him on the scene.
0: Yes, and they determined that because Rayshard Brooks had already fired the taser twice, and Officer Rolf knew that, he knew that Rayshard Brooks did not pose a deadly threat, and you can't shoot unless the perpetrator poses a threat of immediate death or serious bodily injury. And also, given the fact that he was very cooperative up until that point, um, They really went in on... They went hard. I mean, 11 charges, including felony murder, which holds a sentence of life imprisonment or even the death penalty. Wow. So it's, it's very, very... There, there are a lot of charges and Officer Brosnan, the other officer, um, is also being charged with aggravated assault. They also charged Officer Rolf with aggravated assault for any people that were in the area because he was shooting uh, in a crowded area. The, one of the bullets went into one of the nearby cars that was also waiting in the drive through line. So he's being charged for aggravated assault against them as well. Very, very harsh charges. And it seems that the police force are not happy about it and they are f- kind of doing their own silent f- protest. But then it was weird because the Atlanta police department was denying that there was a big sick out there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know necessarily what to think about it because it's like, man, this, this guy is, he, he also had another case in 2015 about uh, a, a shooting that took place and Then Officer Brosnan was supposedly going to be a a witness, but then he's now participating in what everyone calls the blue wall of silence, where everyone's just got each other's back, which I think is a big part of this problem. So is this a part of that where all the cops are like in solidarity with their men in blue and they're just going to say this is wrong? But also, it's very clear from the evidence that the DA presented that this was... Not like the shooting was not protocol. That was not supposed to happen.
1: Right. And I, I think there, I, I go back to this multiple truths can exist simultaneously. Yeah. So, uh, and, and what I, what I want to sort of elevate here is that I think if you if you search the hashtag blue flu, um, you're going to find a lot of really sort of, there's kind of upsetting comments. And what I think a lot of people are missing in this is that the things that the protests are about right now, the action that we need to take and the changes and reform that need to happen in policing are at a systemic level. And everyone is focusing on one specific instance. Mm-hmm. So... Regardless of what you think of these charges, I actually don't think that matters when we're talking about this blue flu that's happening. And this is the it's it's the embodiment of the example of of what the disconnect between the conversation that that black folks and our allies are having or need to have with police departments and that. It's not about these individual circumstances. It's not about that Rayshard Brooks was probably not a great guy. He had domestic abuse and child abuse charges levied against him before. It's not about these individual situations. It's about there have been now, since the protest started, by the way, 22 black people shot and killed by police across the country. This is an an issue at a systemic level. So stop focusing on these little things. Stop focusing on, well, one cops, the cops are mostly good. That's not what it's about. It's about a bigger issue, but people just like to focus on these little things like these charges and like, oh, well, you guys don't want police now. Okay, fine. We're all just going to walk out. Like, don't act like a 12 year old, Mm -hmm. be a grown ass human being and sit down and have real conversations about this and understand that it's bigger than you. And it's bigger than you using a goddamn hashtag. It's so dumb. This is a bigger, issue and I can't with this crap.
0: Well, it's, you're absolutely right. It's important that we look at the bigger picture and it's very easy to look at just what's going on around you and compartmentalize. I mean, that's what a lot of humans tend to do. So, and, and I think that's where people get mad, where it's like short-sighted, where you're like, you're not thinking about the bigger picture. And it's hard to, I guess, when you're in that one environment every single day, and that's all you know, and it's hard for you to widen your lens. But it is yeah, I do agree with you that there are many truths that can exist together, um, and I'm sure we'll keep you updated on everything else that's going on with this. Um, when we come back, news it or lose it time. That's right. So stick around. Drop the subject returns.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
1: Drop the subject presents News It
2: or Lose It
0: Tis the News It or Lose It time I have three segment Not three segments Three headlines That's right And James you get to vote On whether you would like to hear more If you would like to hear more You News It If you don't want to hear these headlines And never speak of them again You lose it Do you have a means for voting? (laughs) Aha That clang means that James wants to hear more. Here are your headlines. James Simmons, nurse practitioner and doctor. Headline number one, the Bold and the Beautiful resumes filming and will use blow up dolls for sex scenes.
1: (laughs) I wonder if our friend Scott Turner Schofield, who's on the Bold and the Beautiful, is going to have a sex
0: doll. I thought of him immediately. We would have to do a follow-up interview to find out. Totally. Uh, Headline number two, California gym uses plastic pods for workouts during coronavirus.
1: I uh, love this idea. I saw this story. I kind of think it's all we need to know. It is exactly what you think of, by the way. If you ever watch Westworld, it looks just like people working out in the Westworld bubbles. And I'm sort of for it. Yeah. Okay, and...
0: Okay, you're losing it. And then finally, headline number three, Cardi B documents her painful three dermal piercings on video. This bitch hurt.
1: <laughs> you know I love anything, Cardi. <laughs> and she's the, like the wildest person, and I'm sort of glad she's still... Her moment didn't just pass. I'm glad it's still
0: happening. Uh-uh, me too. I actually really like Cardi B as well. So she got three piercings and this is what i find ridiculous there's like a a long long video segment where there are these two white women talking about how her piercing experience went and what they think of the piercings and how do they look and all this anyway it's ridiculous but she got three septum pierced she got a septum pierced septum is under your lip right your
1: septum is your nose the thing in between your nostrils okay Uh no
0: she did not get that i'm wrong she got the thing under your lip
2: The the frenum,
0: the frenum, uh huh, and then she got two on her chest.
1: Oh, ouch! I don't get those chest ones. I mean, they look really cool, but like, I'm like, it just sits there, like it doesn't fall out. Like, how does that work?
0: I mean, a stickum jewel would work for me, but you could always, (laughs) 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 if you're (laughs) just a little -um (laughs) stickum from Claire's, would be fine. But she put the whole thing on social media. Here's how it. went the guy's trying to pierce her. Oh oh Offset's holding her hand. Uh, so it's kind of hard to hear it, but you can hear. She's laying down in her seat, and then every time the guy's about to do the sternum piercing, she gets up, and she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa And she goes, okay, let's go over again how this is going to go down. And it happens like three or four different <laughs> times where she's getting up <laughs> each time. Um, but I probably would do the same thing. I mean, the, the sternum... You're right. I don't know. When it doesn't seem like there's any ability to pinch and pull, when there's nothing to pinch and pull and it's just kind of laying there on a bone, seems like probably not the best thing to pierce. Yeah,
1: I don't. I just worry about infection and there's stuff going on there. And if the soap gets in, you don't clean it out or uh, mm-hmm. whatever.
0: All right, let's move on to sex dolls. I was just...
1: By, by all means. I was just
0: getting pa- blown past that so I could get to the sex dolls. Okay. Oh, wow,
1: Blowing past. Good one. You know, yeah. had to.
0: So, the Bold and Beautiful, they have started filming again. A lot of shows have resumed as of last weekend. And, of course, Bold and Beautiful, how could they be bold and beautiful without sex scenes? Well, they have found a creative way to get around the social distancing. They said that they have some lifelike blow up dolls that have been sitting around in storage for the past 15 years. They've used them for various other stories, like when people were presumed dead. So they said we are dusting off the dolls and putting new wigs and makeup on them and they will be featured in love scenes. For intimate scenes that also involve touching and live body that, uh, oh, wow, they have live body parts that can move. They will use actors' spouses. Oh, I see. Um, Provided that they test negative for COVID-19. So you use your quarantine partner in your sex scene for the bold and the beautiful.
1: I mean, I, that's sort of a brilliant way to think about it. You're already partnering, car- quarantining with this person. I think, I kind of think that's great, but then they, there's going to have to be some really tricky camera angles and wigs and makeup and whatever to make it look like who they're supposed to look like, you know?
0: Exactly. And if they just go full blow up doll, I mean, they would have to eliminate the sounds that are like.
2: Yeah, I'm going to eliminate mm-hmm. your sounds too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yep. okay.
1: Uh-huh. You're done.
2: Drop the subject. <laughs> the new channel cue. <laughs> well,
0: we've gotten a note from Jesse, our producer, to stop doing accents. So um, just in plain what, old age.
1: I don't even want to listen to Jesse right now. I feel like we need to talk <laughs> about whatever we need to talk mm-hmm. about in whatever accent we feel like we need to talk about. Because I will tell you that drop the subject listeners, this is the first <laughs> time we have actually laughed frequently. Actually. In a show, and I just want to
0: yeah, say. Yeah, and we here. need it.
1: I think we needed it a little bit too. I think y'all needed it as the listeners. I think it is really important that we continue to talk about all of the things that are going on in social justice and racism and policing and racism in our entire country right now in mm-hmm. a pandemic. But sometimes you just got to laugh, and sometimes you got to laugh in a Texas accent, Jesse. They say it's medicine. <laughs> all
0: right so without further ado channel q pride is gonna be a curbside no i'm not doing that okay. <laughs> Take that, uh, Jesse. Ch- channel q is doing curbside pride this year here's how you participate super easy all you have to do is upload a photo or a video of your choosing to our website which is on we are channel and the video or the picture can be any way that you're celebrating your pride this year uh, whether you're celebrating it in quarantine with your Goldfish, I don't really care. Um, whatever you want to upload is up to you. We're not picky. The point is, the first, efi- the first 50 uploads receive a limited edition curbside pride pack. That includes a Channel Q lawn sign, some window hangers, some Channel Q t-shirts, lawn games, um, or minus the lawn, just the games. Not really sure on that. Um, the masks, Channel Q masks, and an opportunity to hang on the air with us. All exciting stuff just for uploading a picture. Go to wearechannelq.com to upload and follow us at we are channel Q. I did it.
1: You did it. Congratulations. And without a, an accent, um, very good. The Listen, there's a story, though, that is going on in Hollywood right now uh, that I think is kind of important to, to highlight a little bit and, and to bring up because it's been going on for quite a while. Um, Danny Masterson. Yeah. But anyone know the name? Nope. Nope. But you do know him as Hyde from that 70s show. He also is uh, uh, currently, although his character was written out of the show, The Ranch uh, on Netflix, which actually was doing pretty well for a while. Um, he has been uh, accused of um, sexual assault, uh, forcibly raping three women between 2001 and 2004. Um, and he actually, I believe Ali has been arrested today. Yeah, in, he's been formally charged.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think we heard about this i know that this has been an ongoing thing as far as investigating the circumstances of these three different assaults which all allegedly took place at his home in the hollywood hills and he's also married to uh, he's married to a model and they have a daughter so i know that they have spoken out and say, said, you know, I we believe that the truth is going to come to light and this is 20 years old and I can't believe this is happening right now, but we know that everything's going to turn out great because, you know, the, the truth will be exposed. But then people like Leah Remini, because... D- Danny Masterson is a Scientologist. And, and, and apparently
1: a fairly high-ranking one. Like, apparently a fairly oh, I'm influential sure. Scientologist. Yeah.
0: I'm sure. And so Leah Remini, as you know, she is one of the spokespeople for getting out of Scientology. And she did the documentary Going Clear. She's always been very outspoken against Scientology. One of the only people who has been who used to be in Scientology. And she is saying this is just the beginning. Not just with, with, uh, with Danny, but with assault and just terrible things that go on within the community in Scientology. She was saying uh, her her Twitter said, "Finally, victims are hard are being heard when it comes to Scientology. Praise the Lord. This is just the beginning. Scientology, your days of getting away with it is coming to an end." So, it seems that in her opinion this is just the tip of the iceberg and we will see how it all ends.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty um It's I think this is really the tip of the iceberg, like Leah has said, maybe not only for Scientology, but there there are still others out there, you know, uh, hashtag me too was not just a hashtag and not just a sort of brief moment, but the culture in Hollywood and frankly, lots of different places are changing in terms of, uh, you know, sexual assault and and what can no longer happen and be allowed to happen and what should have never been allowed to happen in the first place. So um, we will certainly keep you updated on what we find out more with with Danny Masterson and and other there's actually other charges against him as well. But the um, L.A. uh, district attorney has decided not to bring those charges against him right now for lack of evidence. But there are three charges being levied against him
0: now. Hmm, wow, interesting. All right, more drop the subject. And when you come back at the top of the next hour, gay, gay, or cray cray, stay tuned.
2: Drop the subject, the new channel Q.
0: Okay, Drop the Subject is back, and we are two hours done, two more to go. Thank you for checking us out. Thank you for listening. If you've missed anything thus far, we've talked about threesomes, we've talked about influencers getting photo ops at protests, and much, much more. So definitely want to catch up on everything show-related, and you can do that by just typing in Drop the Subject on Radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts, and we highly encourage you checking that out so you don't miss a beat. And,
1: um, Allie, can I? Mm-hmm. this is the first time. I'm so excited. Coming up in the next hour, we're interviewing Dr. Richard Besser. Oh my god! Oh, that's I'm right. I'm like yes. freaking out. I'm super
0: excited. James is nerding out about a doctor who used to be one of the acting acting directors of the CDC, Dr. Richard Besser. Besser, and he is uh, he's also the president, a uh, CEO of the. There's so many names. Robert, what is it?
1: Robert Wood Johnson Foundation.
0: Yes. And so we're going to talk to him about COVID-19, reopening America, um, some of the inequ- racial inequalities when it comes to testing and uh, people who are c- contracting COVID-19, all very interesting stuff. And James is a standing fan of his. So yes. it'll, be, it'll be great. You should tune in just for that. Um, okay. It's gay, gay, cray, cray time. Let's play. It's Thursday. That means that I find a story about an unconventional couple doing things one thing that has made the news and a story i have in front of me i will give you as many details as i can on without revealing the gender or the sexual orientation of this couple and you must guess if they are a gay gay couple or a regular old cray cray hetero couple are you ready to play james
1: soy listo
0: okay there is a couple who lives in Michigan. They've been married for 40 years, oh. and they met on a blind date in the military in Germany.
1: Whoa.
0: So that's how it begins. Uh-huh. They've made news headlines because they are both running for office against each other in Michigan. <laughs>
1: Stop it. Okay, continue. So,
0: could be two gay guys, could be (laughs) two very activist lesbians, Uh could be just a hetero couple. They're running for the 50th District State House of Representatives in Michigan, and one of them is a Democrat, the other one is a Republican. They're running their own campaigns for the same state house seat, and they are trying to unseat a guy named Tim Sneller, who is the current Democrat with the seat in, uh, in Michigan. Um, but that's not all. This couple, like they said, like I said, they've been married for 40 years. They've decided that they are going to divide the house down the middle while they're campaigning. One person says, "I'm going to get the bedroom." The other person's going to get the bathroom because that's where they spend most of their time. <laughs> I'm going to take the big fridge. They're going to take the small fridge. Uh huh. And um, they said, "There's uh, there's other things about their relationship that's slightly unique. For instance." Um one of them the one who gets the smaller refrigerator has a Guinness World Record for owning the most dragons
1: <laughs> owning the most <laughs> Dra- actual dragons
0: <laughs> a collection of dragon related items more they have this person has more dragons than huang zhao jing of china whose collection included 3201 different dragon related items
1: wait i love that the story is like oh like we know i'm sure huang zhao jing is a lovely person but like we're supposed to know that like this is the dragon <laughs> <Right>. community
0: <laughs> more so, than huang zhao jing of uh,
1: i mean also like I'm sure Wan Jing was like, okay, I'll just get three more pieces of dragon turf <laughs> yeah. and then I'll have more than you do now, Michigan.
0: <laughs> yeah. just go back and forth. the Guinness book is like, we're in the middle. Right. So, so there's some of these pictures of the couple. I will say that they are wearing the same polo shirt uh. and they're both wearing <laughs> relaxed slacks. Of course they are. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a picture of one of the people with a dragon head on in one of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you about this person with the dragon collection mm-hmm. they worked in communication security and in the army once rode a race car at the Texas Motor Speedway and took a ride in a cobra attack helicopter and um and collects the dragons the other person is a vietnam war vi- veteran and a bronze star recipient also worked with Army Intelligence and the Internal Revenue Service, um, and they, they have grandchildren. And they said they're running because the people need a voice. Right now we've got a career politician. What does he know about the guy who goes and Okay, we're talking about the opponent. And they're basically saying they want to show their grandchild, child, their grandchildren that any person can do what you want to do. Very deep. So the question here is Is this couple hetero cray cray or are they gay gay? Two people who have been married for 40 years. They met in Germany on a blind army date. One of them owns the most dragon related items at, in Guinness World Book history, and they have segregated their house <laughs> for the duration of their campaign. What do you think, James? There's a lot to break down here.
1: So I thought I had it nailed. Right until the end, Allie, when you were like, they want their grandkids to know that anyone can do whatever they want.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So I was like, this has to be there were a couple of clues, right? I don't know if they've actually been married or just together for 40 years, but obviously they couldn't be gay gay if they have been actually married for 40 years. So that one can be a little bit thrown off. Also, they only allowed men to serve in the military during Vietnam. So I know at least one of them is is at ah, least at that time was biologically
0: catch. a man. Hold um, on. I have one more detail I forgot to add. Okay. They both show and breed cats, and they have produced fourteen international winners.
1: <laughs> I would vote for either of these individuals solely based off of this. Uh, this is fantastic, Allie. I cannot believe you got this story. We, I want to interview both of them. Well, let's at least interview the winner when they win. Allie Johnson. I, I really, really feel like this has to be a gay couple.
0: I I, wouldn't you think. Yeah. The answer is they call themselves the Freibergers. They are Raymond and Lynn Freiburger, two heteronormative people. Though I mean, the picture is. I don't know if they adhere to gender norms, but. Um,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, they're wearing the regular.
0: I'd say Lynn is. If you saw Lynn at a gay club, I don't know if you'd be that surprised. Ah, but um, but that that being said, they are in a heteronormative relationship. So good luck, the Free Burgers. Uh, I would still like to interview them regardless of whether or not they win. And this has been Giga Hair Craig. Craig, We'll be right back.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
1: You know you want to do it. You're sitting there and you're like, I just want to put those damn heels on and that feather boa and that rainbow super tight speedo (laughs) you'd already bought. (laughs) Well, since you can't wear them in public, you can at least put them on and you can at least strut your stuff and make a video and show us how you are celebrating your pride. Or if you're doing something like, I don't know, educating yourself or reading your book or learning about our history or learning about, you know, our trans brothers and sisters of color who started this whole movement for us essentially in the 60s. Like, that's a way that you can celebrate your pride too. However you are choosing to celebrate your pride, please let us know by going to wearechannelq.com, upload a picture or a video of said pride celebration and you could get a Channel Q curbside pride pack with your lawn and your window sign, window hangers, a Channel Q t-shirt, mm. a Channel Q face mask, Stop which it. I'm super geeked about. I know. And this actually is a really cool part. An opportunity to be on air with Channel Q to share exactly what pride means to you. If you upload on the socials, use hashtag Channel Q curbside pride and hit us up at WeAreChannelQ or of course go to WeAreChannelQ.com. Boom.
0: Done. Now, let's talk about COVID-19, all right? We haven't talked about it in a while. And
1: like like 33 and a half it has
0: been here. and we're going to talk about it in greater detail with dr richard besser former oh, acting director oh of the cdc gosh. but we have a couple things we wanted to go over before that i know we talked about spongebob earlier this week but now we're talking about sponges when it comes to COVID 19 what's the deal with sponges james because i have oh. no effing clue
1: How wild is this, right? So there are some researchers actually at uh, UCSD who are working on UCSD being, sorry, University of California, San Diego. And there are some researchers that are working on these like itty bitty, teeny tiny little sponges, like a thousand times smaller than a human hair. What? Mega ultra tiny. And they are saying they're going to on these little sponges, they can put receptors that SARS-CoV-2, so the virus that causes COVID-19, like those receptors and they'll attach to them. So they'll act as decoys. So what they're proposing is we have these sponges, we release them in the human body, particularly like in the lungs, where SARS-CoV-2 is very active, and the coronavirus latches onto these fake sponges rather than latching onto our cells, and then through your body's normal elimination processes like through your lymph system and then out through your urine or feces, you would get rid of these sponges and then you would just get rid of the virus.
0: Wow, so we're like C blocking COVID.
1: Yes, that that's exactly what they're proposing. <laughs> Um, I think we are very far off from this being some sort of actual medical technology that we use. Um, it's very theoretical at this time, but it is an interesting theory. And lest we forget that most of the medicine that we practice now at one point in time was like hyper theoretical. So it's interesting. This is not going to be this some treatment that we any of us are going to be like we're getting now. But there are some other treatments, Allie, oh, that okay. have been around for a while mm-hmm. that that are showing really, really, really good promise. Is it
0: hydroxychloroquine?
1: It is most certainly not hydroxychloroquine. Thank you very much, Donald Trump. (laughs) But there's a steroid that we use all the time. It's super cheap. We've been using it for years. It's called dexamethasone or decadron, as some people might know it. And this is one of the first drugs that has had what looks like a really good study behind it, randomized control trial that says, "Huh, this thing seems to work." So these researchers at Oxford University took 2100 patients and gave who needed to be ventilated and like so with on an on intubated uh-huh. on a machine, right? Gave them dexamethasone and there were 4300 patients who did not get dexamethasone. They got a placebo.
0: I feel so bad for those placebo people. You know, Uh, you go through the trouble of taking part in a test. You probably barely get some cookies or a T-shirt out of it. And then they give you a They give you the placebo
1: (laughs) and then you get the placebo. But that's science. It's it's helpful. The people who get the placebo are are just as helpful as the people who get the actual intervention. And the people who got the dexamethasone uh, got... They were a third of the, how do I say this? They got better by a third okay. versus the the group that did not get it. So 30% of them did better as comparison to the group that did not get it, which is huge. I mean, that's a, that's a ginormous percentage. Um, and it's a lot of patients. Now here's the rub. They released their data, but it hasn't been peer reviewed and released in a scientific journal because when you release in a scientific journal, it means lots of other people have read it. They've they've crunched your data as well. They've made sure that you haven't flubbed anything, made any mistakes, You know, made the data look good when it's really not good, that sort of thing. So this data still needs to be peer-reviewed, but it's Oxford who does pretty good stuff typically, and it's a lot of patients. So this one to me is a little bit promising. Plus, dexamethasone is widely available and super cheap.
0: What, is it like a, a long-ass word for something easy like nasal spray like what is what is the
1: oh it's a it's a steroid and we typically give it through the iv so you know people take st- like by mouth you take prednisone okay. let's say if you're having an uh, asthma attack or something uh, like that uh-huh. this is like the IV version of that Oh, okay
0: it. great uh so well that's go. exciting we will learn more uh, in detail like i said later on in the show at the top of the next hour we're going to hear from dr richard besser former acting director of the cdc so we'll get into the nitty-gritty of reopening and all kinds of other stuff when we come back It's the T word. We're going to talk about Trump and the two books that are smearing his name that are coming out soon.
2: Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Oh, hi
0: there. It's Allie. What's going on? It's also James Simmons. Say hi, James. What's going on? Hey there. So um, we're in the middle of drop the subject and we must talk about the current president of the United States. But I promise, I promise. This is kind of good news. Okay, so hold your horses. Take a beat. Let's put Trump around. I didn't know that literature could save us in 2020, but it seems as though that might be the case because two books, two tell all smeary, smeary books about the president of the United States are due to be released this year. One of them Is by his niece, Mary Trump, Mm -hmm. who is said to come out with this book that completely trashes this guy. And it's coming out in August, just before the RNC convention, which is such a great time.
1: That is lovely. And the title, I love the title. Too Much and Never Enough. How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man. I mean, just Mary Trump, get (laughs) right to the point. But even, I mean, and there's a picture of him on the cover of it, and it's all of this, etc. However, it's also Mary Trump PhD, by the way. It's Dr. Mary Trump. Uh, What's great about this, though, is that um, (laughs) Donald Trump is trying to sue his niece before she publishes the book right and so it brings up this whole thing about why are you trying to sue to prevent release of a book if you are also saying at the same time that there's you didn't do any of these things that are potentially accused in the book and like you know you if you've had such a perfect past why are you suing for someone to not talk about it then
0: There is a thing about Trump where I feel like you know how when you exercise regularly and then you know you're exercising every day and it's going great and then you get into a situation where you haven't worked out in like two weeks and you're like oh god I just feel like my muscles are stiffening I feel like he's like that but with lawsuits <laughs> where he's like <laughs> right. oh uh, I haven't sued anyone uh, in so long I feel like I'm not being productive I just need,
1: uh, I just need to sue somebody okay <gasps> how about my niece
0: yeah i sue my niece and he's also suing John Bolton because he is coming out with a tell-all book called "The Room Where It Happened," very a nice nod to the musical theater community there, a Hamilton reference, and he has all kinds of things that all kinds of tea rather that he is spilling in this book, and it comes out very soon. It comes out June twenty third. The Trump administration has already tried to sue him, like the Department of Justice is suing him. <laughs>
1: I mean, it, isn't this crazy that the president is using his powers to uh, yes the Department of Justice sue the former national security advisor who says things apparently in this book like president uh, addicted to chaos, who embraced our enemies and spurned our friends and was deeply suspicious of his own government.
0: Yep. Huh. He, al- he also said, I'm hard pressed to identify any significant Trump decision during my tenure that wasn't driven by reelection calculations. <laughs>
1: Well, okay. Here's the thing, though, John Bolton. Glad you're publishing this book now, but we really could have used you during the impeachment. We yeah, really. Thank could you have, so much. Yeah, thank you so much. This is it's like in Mean Girls when she's saying "so nice," like you know, like, so nice, yeah, so nice, so nice. Like no, no. I mean, this book is going to be great. I should probably read it. I'm sure it will uh, shed to light a lot of things that a lot of people kind of knew were already going on and maybe some things that we didn't. But at the end of the day, what is it actually going to help accomplish other than John Bolton make a bunch of money? Ding, ding, ding. In terms of like bringing some bringing down this president who needs to be brought down.
0: Well, I think that the main goal would be to not get him reelected.
1: God, I hope.
0: I mean, I just hope that. I hope that some people will read these books, even just that Am- Amazon excerpt, you know, even if you just get the two minute excerpt, whoever is narrating this book, just read a couple of paragraphs or listen to a couple of paragraphs and see if it might change your mind before you're actually deciding to vote. If if Trump is who you're deciding to vote for, you know, I mean, I would, I would imagine if you've got two tell all books in one year, just leading up to heading to that voting booth, it would have some, uh, some kind of an effect.
1: I'm less optimistic, unfortunately, because the people who don't like Trump are going to read these books. The people who (laughs) like Trump aren't going to read them. And the people in the middle are too worried about, you know, fixing racial injustices and COVID-19 and keeping their jobs Mm -hmm. and their kids going back to school this fall. Like, I I don't know. I'm not sure it's going to unfortunately move the needle as much as we hope it would.
0: Okay. Well, if you can't, think of this as positive news. We do have something positive to share with you coming out of the Supreme Court. More positive news. Uh, it seems like someone on the Supreme Court has been reading Robin D'Angelo's book on white fragility. Who knows? We'll talk about that when we get back.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
0: This is Channel Q. I am Allie Johnson. You are you. And this is Pride Month. So, of course, we all have to figure out a way to celebrate each each other and celebrate with each other without actually being in each other's presence. And that's where curbside pride comes in. It is celebrating pride in the comfort of your own home with your own kiddums and doggos around you. I don't like the word doggos, but I'm using it in this scenario. So here's what you do. Here's how you celebrate. It's real simple. Go to wearechannelq.com and upload a picture or a video. It can be you celebrating pride with your animal, expressing your pride, through um, nipple tassels with rainbows on them. I don't really care what it is. All you have to do is go to the website and upload a picture or video. And the first 50 uploads get a really awesome Q curbside pride pack, which is, uh, it includes the following, a Channel Q lawn sign, some window hangers. This is all stuff to decorate your home for pride. Channel Q t-shirts, some games, an opportunity to hang on the air with us. And you also get a very coveted Channel Q mask. Oh. uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, Can I wear what? that
1: mask, Allie, to, to, to the Trump rally in, in Tulsa that I'm going oh, to? Oh, you
0: know, I know you were planning on going. Unfortunately, yeah, Donald Trump no. has said no one is required to wear masks or socially distance at his rally in Tulsa this weekend. Uh, oh, so- you mean
1: the rally that's going to happen in a couple years after the vaccine, that rally? Or you mean the rally now in Tulsa in a state where COVID 19 cases are going up?
0: That one. Sorry, yeah, oh, that one. Oh, mm-hmm. you
1: don't have to wear a mask or be physically distant from one another at a rally that is expecting 20,000 people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the I'm day after June and, 9, Juneteenth. Just yes, saying. yeah, yeah. the
0: uh-huh. day after Juneteenth. The one way he was supposed to have tomorrow, and then he decided, quote, out of respect to move it a day. Um, anyway, we digress. The point is, you should be using that mask. Uh, we obviously do not condone walking around in in highly populated areas without socially distancing and with no masks. So this is how you're celebrating pride. It is curbside, and we are doing it with you. We are here with you, and you can upload your picture at WeAreChannelQ.com and use the hashtag Channel Q Curbs Curbside Pride, whenever you post about it. Always remember to tag us as well at We Are Channel Q. Let's talk about DACA because
1: yeah deferred action for childhood arrivals by the yes, way yes this
0: is some some great news coming out of the supreme court john roberts man who knew chief justice john roberts he was the swing vote and we'll, let's explain what's going on because in a 5-4 decision the supreme court has essentially blocked trump from ending daca
1: which is uh, huge. I feel like, do you like that? I got so excited. Huge. It's huge. <clears throat> Chief, Chief, sorry. There we go. Chief Justice John Roberts. This is now the second time this week that he has come out and and made a decision that was a little bit surprising. Him being moderate to right, conservatively leaning In support of what is typically a more liberal position. So earlier this week, obviously, uh, uh, you know, LGBTQ folks not being able to be fired from the workplace where we work just for our status. And now saying that essentially it there was no grounds for, you know, he wrote the majority opinion and essentially was saying that there's no grounds for terminating this policy. Like like just bottom line, there's no reason for you to terminate this policy. So you can't.
0: And just to be clear, DACA is when you are say your mom and dad are from another country, say Mexico, which is um, a a lot of DACA dreamers are uh, originate from Mexico. Say your your parents immigrate into the United States illegally and then they have you and you are born in the United States. Under DACA, you are an American citizen and you are not allowed to be deported. Trump was trying to rescind that. And now the Supreme Court is saying that that is that is unconstitutional. So it is very exciting. It is another big win coming out of the supreme court so i mean scotus hey I, I don't know what kind of books they were reading during quarantine but they were really living it up or maybe they, they made some kind of pact or something because they are really showing up and we didn't really expect it so hey a pleasant surprise we could use one in 2020 and speaking of pleasant surprises dr <gasps> richard besser oh my gosh i'm so excited former chief deck. medical
1: correspondent on abc news former acting director of cdc and current uh, president and ceo of robert wood Johnson foundation oh my god i'm like totally fangirling out
0: <gasps> i don't think james knows who he is so we'll have to explain it when we come back don't go anywhere the cat sat on
2: the Drop the Subject, the new Channel
1: Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. James Q. Simmons, guest co hosting with, of course, your Allie Johnson. And okay, I am really excited. I have to tell everyone, all of the listeners, I am freaking out just a little bit because we have a very, very special guest here. Uh, Someone who has quite honestly, and I'm not saying this in an Instagram influencer sort of way, but someone who has quite honestly really influenced my career and what I want to do with my career. um, Dr. Richard. Besser who is president and CEO of the Fantastic Robert Wood Johnson Foundation right now, former acting director at the CDC and you probably will recognize this voice. He was he's the former chief medical editor at ABC News. You heard him all over GMA and lots of that back in the day. So Dr. Besser, welcome.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. That's a,
1: that's the nicest intro I, I've had in a really long time. Thank you. <laughs> well, good. I feel like everyone should be introducing you that way, like all of the time, because uh, you've done some fantastic work, not only obviously on air, but at the CDC and now with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And I think a lot of people who are outside of healthcare don't. Fully understand what the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation does and how important your organization is. So we're going to talk in just a second about kind of the recommendations Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has as we reopen. Um, but can you just tell the listeners a little bit about what the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation is? Yeah. So
3: we are the, the largest philanthropy in America focused on improving health and health care. Uh, in America, and particularly for for people who have the the greatest challenges in in living healthy lives, our, our big focus is on on helping to build a society in which everybody has a, a fair opportunity for health and well-being. and that that means recognizing where there are barriers and doing the hard work to try and remove those barriers.
0: Just out of complete curiosity, I don't know if you can speak on this um, from a personal standpoint or on behalf of the organization, but there's been so much talk about how to improve healthcare. Uh, this past year um, with the Democratic debates and, uh, you know, free health care for all and things like that. Do you have an opinion on what the best way is to move forward? I mean, there's been a lot of talk of having free health care for everybody. And that, but then there's a lot of people going, I don't know if that's even possible. And would the healthcare be that great? Do you have an opinion on it or can you speak on that?
3: Well, what I can speak on is if we agree Uh, If we can just get agreement in America that everybody should have access to high-quality, comprehensive, affordable health care, and we can be all in, that that's the goal, there there are a lot of different ways to get to it. And the the COVID crisis, I think, gives us an opportunity because we see here, you know, coming into this pandemic, 26 million people in America did not have health care. And given how many people in America have health care that's tied to their jobs, You know, the estimates are that it may go as high as 45 million people without health care. And every day, if you don't have health care, it's a problem. During a pandemic, if you're concerned, you may have COVID infection uh, and you want people to get tested uh, so that they know, so that they can take steps to protect their own health and get treatment and not infect other people. The idea that people don't have access to health care it should be unconscionable you know here we are the wealthiest nation on the planet and we have that many people who don't have access just to basic health care so you know i i think we this is a moment it's a moment where we can all we can see what happens when people don't have health care we can shine a light on the challenges for for immigrants or people who are mis, uh, mixed immigration status households in terms of accessing health care lower income people, you know, who may have health care, but it's not good health care. And we can rally around the idea that everyone, uh, your income, uh, the color of your skin, your immigration status, those shouldn't be factors in determining whether you can go see a doctor if you're sick or how well you do during a pandemic.
1: So, you know, I, I love that you're speaking about it. Communities that have been impacted by the overall healthcare system in sort of an inequity kind of way. And in particular, we know that COVID 19 is really impacting communities of color, and especially in terms of mortality. And so you have this kind of combined situation of already a poor healthcare infrastructure for certain communities, and then you put a global pandemic on top of that. And now this third layer of most of the country is starting to reopen. And so I know what Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has done is sort of lay out these five principles about, you know, how your guidance and your recommendations to how we can reopen in a really responsible way. But can you touch on, I think one of those principles really speaks to specifically about how do we reopen and still care for these communities that have less access to quality health care?
3: Yeah, well, I, I think that... The first piece of that is that if, if you really care, if you really have as an objective that everyone should have a fair opportunity to protect their health, then you need to be collecting data and information to see how the pandemic is hitting every community. We know that to date, Black Americans, Latino Americans, Native Americans have been hit incredibly hard. Hospitalization and death at, at rates that far exceed the proportion of the population. And if you're not collecting information and breaking it down by race, breaking it down by zip code, you know, things may look great across the board for a particular city, but there could be individual neighborhoods that are getting hit hard and and you're not seeing that. When you look at some of the recommendations that public health has put forward in terms of what you do if you're sick um, and what, what you do if you have covid they don't recognize the lived experience of millions of people in this country. So telling someone uh, you may have COVID go home and isolate uh, away from people, stay in your own room, Uh, use your own bathroom, don't go to work. Um, Mm -hmm. What are are you saying to someone who lives in a multi-generational household that that is crowded um, or who? doesn't have unemployment insurance, you know, since, you know, half of low wage workers in this country don't have unemployment insurance and don't have sick leave because Mm. two thirds of low income uh, workers don't have any sick leave. What are you saying to them in terms of how you value their health and their opportunity? So moving forward, if we don't want that to continue to be the story in America that people of color uh, don't matter as much, low-income people don't matter as much because we're not taking the steps so that everyone can be protected, then you have to work with communities. You collect the data, and then you work with community to see what are the needs in this particular community. How do we offer testing in a way that people are willing to get tested? how do we ensure that people who are tested have a safe place to isolate or quarantine and are provided with the economic resources to be able to uh, isolate or quarantine and the nutrition support? Or if someone is the sole caregiver in their household for an elderly relative or someone with a disability or a child, how do you help them isolate and still provide care for the person they're providing care for? So it's, you know, if you're taking... An equity equity approach to this, then what you're saying is that people's needs are going di- to differ, and if you're just saying to people do these things, but not looking at what it takes for people to be able to do it, then you're gonna we're gonna continue to see people who must go back to work because mm-hmm. they need the income getting hit hit hardest. Uh, we're going to see people who who are lower income, who live uh, in more densely crowded situations get hit, get hit the hardest. Uh, and that doesn't have to be. So, you know, the principles we laid out are things that state, local leaders need to pay attention
1: to as we're moving forward. I think those principles are fantastic. Just, you know, listeners, we're talking to Dr. Richard Besser, who is the uh, president and CEO of Robert Wood Johnson Foundation right now, former CDC acting director. And yes, I'm fangirling out a little bit. We have more Dr. Besser coming up after the break. Y'all stay tuned.
2: Drop the subject, the new Channel Q.
1: Welcome back to Drop the Subject. Allie is being such a doll and letting me, James Simmons, guest co-host, take the lead on this interview because I'm very, very excited. uh, But can I I just want to
0: hold on? I just want to interject for one second because you're being humble. And I just wanted to mention, (laughs) Dr. Richard Besser, that that James is also a doctor as well. He just got his doctorate in nursing. So he's he's you just two doctors talking to each other doctor to doctor. I'm just (laughs) I'm just third wheeling it here. Third hosting it. Um,
1: Congratulations! Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Sorry, continue. Oh,
1: (laughs) yeah. Who are you, Allie? Do you get to be part of this conversation? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, in the last break, listen, and thank you, Allie. That was very very sweet. Uh, In the last break, you know, you, Dr. Besser, you started to kind of talk about these five principles that the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has laid out, and I get so many questions on my individual social media at work and other media things that I do. We also get questions here on the show. So, if things are not okay and cases are spiking, we're reopening, and why? And I feel like, you know, Robert Wood Johnson has sort of laid out this guide plan, these sort of five principles that might help ease people's fears a little bit, also really guide communities and how to continue to reopen so that we don't have complete economic collapse, but that we're still being responsible because we're still in the middle of a pandemic.
3: Yeah, you can find find details on the principles at rwjf.org. But one of the things that, that I think is really important um, is that there are places that are starting to reopen, that should be starting to reopen, and you know that are being guided by public health. They're being guided by their numbers, and they've been seeing you know, and this is in, in you know parts of California where they've been seeing numbers going down. They've been seeing a downward uh, trend in cases, in hospitalizations, in deaths. Uh, in the percentage of tests that are done that are positive, which is a really helpful public health uh, indicator, that, that are setting up systems for identifying people who are sick quickly and doing contact tracing and helping to isolate people. Those are the things that should be in place to be able to slowly, carefully open parts of the economy. And one of the things that we have to come to grips with as a society is that it will be great if we have a vaccine one day. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee we will ever have a vaccine and we clearly won't have one soon. Right. So in the meantime, all of these steps in terms of social distancing, hand washing, wearing masks, these are the tools of public health. This is like our our medicine. And we can dial it up or dial it down depending on what's going on in the local circumstances. So if cases are going up and there's no room in the healthcare system to take care of COVID patients, as well as everyone else's healthcare issues, because those didn't go away during this crisis, they're just not being attended to. Um, If you don't have room in your healthcare system, then you shouldn't be letting people increase their activity, because even in a place where the trend is going in the right direction, as people are moving around more, there will be additional cases, and we have to expect that. But if the healthcare system is working well and can identify a case and figure out who that person's had contact with and ensure that they've got what they need to quarantine, then an individual case doesn't lead to another outbreak in an overwhelmed healthcare system. It's just another case, and thankfully, most people who get this infection will do well with it. You know, We're doing all of these steps because of the high risk to the elderly, to people who have underlying medical conditions, but if we do this in a smart way, we can, can, we can slowly get people back to work, which is so important. The same groups that are getting hit hardest in terms of the pandemic are economically getting hit the hardest. And we can do this in a smart way. But what we're seeing around the nation is that some places are doing it smart and some places are not doing it smart at all.
0: I mean, you were the acting CDC director during H1N1. And I I imagine this is a completely different animal. But also the circumstances that we're living in, in terms of the political climate, you know, even though things are reopening slowly, people are wanting to get out in the streets. And I imagine that will drive up the amount of cases, but then there's also this talk of maybe we would build up these antibodies. Is, is that yeah. something that you predict? Or, you know, I guess I'm just wondering, is the second wave going to come faster because of all these things? And is that kind of okay, because it's going to happen anyway?
3: When I was at CDC and was leading at the start of the swine flu pandemic, communication was probably, it was one of our most powerful tools So being able to talk to the public every day through the media to explain what we were learning, to explain what people could do to protect their health. Uh, When we change recommendations, we we could share, hey, we changed this recommendation because these studies showed this. That's missing. And and with that missing, because we're not hearing from CDC every day, we're we're hearing mixed messages. We hear some things from from public health uh, and from governors and from state public health leaders. And then we hear at the national level uh, messaging that's, that is all over the board in terms of, is this real? Is it overblown? Um, should Do people really need to wear masks and do these things? And there's incredible work being done at CDC. There's incredible information on their website. But putting information on a website isn't what inspires people to do the right thing. It has to be, a, you know, you need to see public health and, and political leadership playing off of the same playbook or you get this kind of disconnection we're seeing, we're seeing around, around the country. You know, and, and Ali, you, you, you raised some of the critical questions with that science is trying to address. If you have antibodies, does it mean you're protected? How long do those antibodies last? If you have antibodies, does it mean you can't get infected and spread it to somebody else? And this whole issue in terms of waves, I just find it so distracting uh, because I, I tend to think of waves as something you can recognize in retrospect. You know, five years from now, when you look at data across the country in terms of how it came through, you can say, oh, yeah. Um, in, in, in that first wave, you know, it hit, it hit Seattle first, it hit New York, and then it kind of spread around the south. That was all. And then, and then it kind of went a little quiet for a while. And then in the winter, it came back again. But it, during what, what we think of as a wave, it's going to hit different parts of the country at different times. And so I still think of this all as the first wave, the first time it's coming through. And even in, in during that first time it's coming through, you're going to have peaks and valleys. So, you know, if, if New Jersey, where I am, we, where we had giant spike and now we're seeing an incredible decline, if New Jersey were to say to everybody, it's over, go for it, go out there, and, and uh, it was all a bad dream, we would see another giant spike. But if New Jersey is, continues to do what it's doing and says, we're going to open really slowly and carefully, you're going to see slight increases uh, as, as people do more activity, but you won't see the giant spike. And so you know, whether it's a new wave or not, I don't think of it as, I, I think we're, we're still in that
1: first wave. Very good. Dr. Richard Besser, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us again. And we always give everyone a chance right at the end. Tell everyone listening where they can find you and all the great work you're doing.
3: Thank you so much for having me on. If you come to rwjf.org, you'll find all kinds of information uh, about Uh, our principles on
1: how do you reopen using equity as your guide. Thank you so much. I'm going to go run and freak out now that I just got to interview (laughs) Dr. Richard Besser. I'm going to flip flip his wig. Right. I'm going to toss my hair back. (laughs) I'm very excited. Thank you again, Dr. Besser. We appreciate your time. Take care. Take care.
3: Thanks for having me on.
2: Drop the subject. The new channel Q.
1: Drop the subject presents. News it or lose it. Yep. Honestly, y'all don't even know. That was so awesome. <laughs> this has dropped the subject, by the way. I am James. She is Allie. I'm still on cloud like nine and a half after interviewing Dr. Richard Besser. He really honestly influenced me wanting to be a medical professional in the media. Um, I, I really honestly. Th- yeah, that was uh, a joy. And there's so much good work that the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation does. Uh, and they're in really help everything going on. I'm just so excited. That was really great, Allie. You
0: know, I think your reaction to him is was like my reaction to Carmen Esposito. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yay. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, oh, God, I love that. Hi. Mine is like a, sh- a lesbian that had her own show. And then yours is a doctor of CDC, like the director of CDC. <laughs> we are different people.
1: We, we are, but that's what makes us great mm-hmm. together, Allie, oh. and um, yes, it is very good. Okay, it is time for me to stop fangirling out, and it is time for you to choose three stories. It's news or lose it. Allie Johnson, do you have your binger, banger dinger, clinger? Oh, okay. Mm.
0: I'm using a letter opener that I just found that I didn't know I had.
1: Right. Oh, because, you know, those are a thing. Um, all right. Headline number one. Facebook removes Trump ads that include markings used by Nazis.
0: Okay, great. Lose it.
1: (laughs) That's about all you need to know. He's using ads that include markings used by Nazis.
0: Oh,
1: my God. I digress. Um, Headline number two. Football may not happen this year.
0: Oh, no. We must news it. Is this about the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Uh, uh, In part, in part, there is a new twist on the story, though. And headline numero tres, Noah's Ark set to return for a live reunion special.
0: Wait. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Allie, this is when this is one of those difficult conversations, okay? In the annals of
0: like, I think it's pronounced annals, James.
1: In the an- in the annals of in the, in the annals of something that was very, very exciting uh years ago 15 years ago for the queer brown and black community that most queer white people didn't know anything about the show Noah's Ark
0: oh okay yes I have heard of that show Uh I thought you were literally talking about the biblical event I was like I think people have been talking about that coming back for a while isn't that the second coming
1: (laughs) isn't that didn't we find that on a mountain somewhere it's just a
0: reboot of Jesus. (laughs)
1: Of, G- of Jesus, of the flood. Maybe we need the flood. I digress. I did not say that. Jesse, edit that out. <laughs> the the uh, Listen, so Noah's Ark, it was on logo for two years. It was super fun. It was great. It was like the first show that was just like a group of gay black men living in Los Angeles and their lives. It was fantastic. Of course, it only lasted two seasons, though, but there was a follow-up movie. Well, now they are doing a 15th anniversary reunion special COVID edition
0: style. <gasps> Well, that's, you know, they, they're doing like these one episode specials that are like sort uh-huh. of a reboot because my, my wife is getting all excited about the Friends reboot. And I was like, no, it's not a reboot. And she was like, well, it's a something. And I'm it, like, it yeah, is, that's what they're doing now is they're just doing a something. Yep, Which is something is better than a nothing.
1: Uh, the something is better than nothing. And this is a something that is also going to be a fundraiser like a lot of those shows are. It's called Noah's Ark, the Rona Chronicles. Oh, no nice. And it's a be a fundraiser for... Um, Uh, The Birmingham AIDS Outreach, Casa Ruby, um, Gay and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society, a bunch of other groups in Detroit, um, uh, Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative. I think they're out of um, Orlando. There's a whole bunch of other, their their whole deal is to raise $100,000 to spread out to these organizations. So it's super, super very exciting. I happen to have been able to interview and meet Daryl Stevens in the past, who's the star of the show. He's a lovely, lovely
0: person. Oh, nice.
1: Football, according to Dr. Fauci, Probably can't happen this year, Allie, unless you isolate the football players and put them in a bubble, just like the NBA and the MLS.
0: Okay, do it. That, that,
1: right, just do this. Just well, do so, it. You know, a lot of people don't know that the NBA is doing their uh, the last little remaining portion of their season and their playoffs all in Orlando, all over four months. They're all going to have to live there without, like, seeing their families for this entire time. They can't leave Orlando. And then they have to get tested before they can see their families again. And then they're only going to be able to see their families like once or twice a week. It's like this whole thing, right? So they're doing that with MLS as well. They're contemplating doing that with the WNBA at a different location in Florida. So all these other sports are trying to figure out a way to play. But Fauci is saying, even if you do that... The nature of the game. So imagine a middle linebacker chasing a running back, tackling him. Well, there's, there's saliva and yeah. stuff that just happens all over, right? And so if that person is COVID, they're going to spread it all over the other person. And then he's like, the transmission in a sport like that is just going to be so high. Everyone would have to be in a bubble. You'd have to test everyone like every day. And basically, Roger Goodell is like, okay, well, anyway, we're still going to start our season with fans <laughs> in September.
0: With fans? <laughs>
1: With fans. First game is scheduled to be uh, September 10th, Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans with fans.
0: Okay. Why do they need to test them every day? I know we have to go, but couldn't you just test them the once and then they're in their little bubbles and that's it?
1: If presumably you tested everyone, you then waited 14 days, they didn't touch anyone else so that you could guarantee that they came in and they didn't have it. As long as they didn't touch anybody else ever, including the trainers, the coaches, the staff, and everyone actually lived in a bubble. Yes, that would work. But, you know, families are going to come in. They're going to see people. They're going to have delivery drivers come. There's going to be like, you know, Hmm. it's a whole thing. I digress. I'm sorry to have to give you the bad news during News or Lose It, but I promise we have happy endings coming up next.
2: Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.
0: It is time to say goodbye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We will miss you until tomorrow morn. But you know what? The good news is that you, if you are just tuning in, wow, you've missed a whole lot. And the good news is that you can catch up on the podcast. Download the podcast. OK, just do it. It's really nice that you're listening right at this second, but you know, go back three and a half hours and there's a whole lot more that you can participate in and interact with us on social media at DTS show, download the podcast and listen, just type in, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast. It's that easy. Speaking of easy.
1: Are you um, you talking about me? Excuse me. (laughs) Um, You don't know me like that. James is still here. (laughs) Speaking of easy, right. James is on with me.
0: No, here's an easy way to participate in Pride this year without having to leave the comfort of your own home. All you have to do is upload a picture or video and you get all of the means necessary to celebrate Pride in the comfort of your own home with lawn signs and window dressings and Channel Q t-shirts and a Channel Q mask and a chance to hang out on the air with us. All kinds of fun stuff to celebrate a pride curbside. That's what Channel Q is doing this year. We're doing curbside pride. So here's how you participate. Just go to wearechannelq.com, upload a picture or a video of any way that you're expressing your pride this year, whether that means taking a picture of you at your workplace celebrating pride, being out at work, yay, so fun. Uh, maybe your best catwalk, maybe some some of your best Louboutin catwalk pictures or videos. Hey, oh. I mean, anything you really want to do is totally up to you. The first 50 uploads, get one of these incredible Q curbside pride packs. So, participate, celebrate with us, send us pics, and use the hashtag Channel Q Curbside Pride. It has been an, an informational, educational, and fun, eye opening show. So, there got to be a great silver lining in there, and we will find it with some happy endings. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is the time. Happy yeah, you know, it's harder and harder to find some happy endings on some days, but it's important that we leave you with something positive. Uh, God knows we need it. We have to leave you with some kind of a little rainbow silver lining to take into the rest of your day. James, do you have a happy ending for oh, today's show? Oh, I do. Okay.
1: Next Tuesday, John Bolton's book is coming out, The Room Where It Happened, and I guarantee you, I am putting this out there now. We will check me next week on next Tuesday that another Bolton will be trending next Tuesday (laughs)
0: is this a prediction that that you're making? if that doesn't
1: make you happy I don't know what does what would Michael Bolton will also be trending next Tuesday when John
0: Bolton's book drops that is my happy ending Allie you know, you're not wrong. I really think that Twitter is going to make sure that Michael Bolton also yes. trends and then there will be memes and there will be music yes. videos. Yes, and yes. I call it here that first, is be a by good the day. way, that
1: is like a triple happy ending.
0: Solid Thank prediction. You. Thank you. Here, Here's my happy ending. We learned about some unfortunate threesomes on the show today. I learned that I have to get through Betsy of DeVos to get to Emma, Emma Watson. If I'm going to have a threesome with Emma Watson, I have to take a Betsy. And that's unfortunate because I don't want to have sex with her at all. But thanks to you and your wealth of information, I have found a workaround, Dr. James Simmons. Here's what I'm going to do. Betsy DeVos is 62 and she's at a higher risk. So I'm going to say she has to wear a mask the whole time. <laughs> and I found out that you can get special masks made with other people's faces. So I'm going to ask her to wear a mask with Emma Watson's face so on it. And then I can be with two, two Emma Emmas.
1: Watson's. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. Allie, you, the way your brain works sometimes, I just want to say thanks to all the you. There. Subject
0: listeners for sticking around, you know. <laughs> it was it was a journey, and I'm glad that you went um, out with me. You took okay. us there. Right, that was good. Uh, this total hypothetical uh-huh. situation that's never going to happen. Okay, tomorrow we have some exciting things. Of course, we're going to talk to Dr. Jenens, we always do. We're going to talk to Jason Carter. He will be back. He was with me all show long yesterday, so we're going to hang out with him a little bit more tomorrow and find out what's going on in Hollywood and all kinds of other fun things for Friday. We're also going to talk about how, for the first time ever, they're offering a, offering a video game as a prescription. I'm sure that James, as a nurse, you have an opinion on that. As As a gamer, I have an opinion on it. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll see you then. Goodbye. On the, next. on the next, drop the subject. On the next show, it's the best news of 2020 so far. The FDA has approved prescriptions for video games. That's right. Grab your controllers, ladies. Let's call in sick and play Call of Duty.
1: <laughs> Allie, I don't think it works like that.
0: And since Dr. James is a doctor, he'll give out free prescriptions on the show.
1: I absolutely cannot do that. That is illegal.
0: Video games plenty. We'll never have to work again.
2: Ha
1: ha ha ha. No, I will literally get sued for malpractice. Worth it. Not worth it.
2: No. Oh. Drop the subject, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, 1 to 4 Eastern, on Channel Q.